Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, our look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. As ever, I'm Liv Griffiths and joining us to look over the action is, as always, Alex Pereira. Hi, Alex. Hi, Liv. Great to be back again. Always a pleasure to have you. And my Christmas has come early and I've got my present as we're delighted she's back with us this week. It's Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Stop it, Liv. (laughs) Ever the charm I know, I can't help myself sometimes. I'm in that festive spirit. Anyone else? Nope, just me. Right, let's kick off then. So we're back to the midweek Champions League action. We just want to address something really quickly. As a couple of episodes ago, we did jump the gun slightly by proclaiming that both the English sides had made it through. Um, Kind of going to take a line from the government. Lessons will be learned. We will fact check better next time. And it was very dramatic last Wednesday and Thursday for both WSL sides in the end. As Chelsea only needed a point to go through, even a loss by one goal would have been sufficient. But they were thumped 4-0. Two goals each from Sven Yarhuth and Tabia Basmuth saw Wolfsburg win the group in stunning fashion. Alex, Emma Hayes said Wolfsburg deserved to go through in the end. But did we see this result coming? I think perhaps a a loss could have potentially been on the cards, but not to this magnitude. It just seemed that Chelsea didn't turn up there was a bit of COVID anxiety with Anne Katrenberger uh, being ruled out and a couple of other players other key players being ruled out because of COVID and it seems to have run rife through both the teams so they are quite struggling at the minute and having a panic about COVID being so close to Christmas as well you just you look at Sam Kerr who hasn't been able to see her family in two years and then you add the stress of Omicron and COVID restrictions it can be a lot for a player to handle and I also don't think if people wanted to watch the match it wasn't helped by the fact that they scheduled the men's match at the same time so there wasn't so I don't know how to describe it but there wasn't sole focus just on the women's game so I think that didn't help the situation at all I think what Wolfsburg did really well though was they kept Frank Irving they kept Sam Kerr quiet and as we've discussed previously those two are a force to be reckoned with. And if you can stop them and quieten them down, then you are definitely a good side and you definitely deserve to win. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned about the COVID anxiety. Emily, it's it's a bit of a difficult situation, isn't it? Because you can't really call the game off with just two positive cases. Do you think this is enough excuse for Emma Hayes to be using as to why the team lost? I think it's an interesting one. I think it it was kind of just a typically honest Emma Hayes interview and and remark, really. And I I hear what you're saying completely about, you know, in terms of the rules and the regs, you couldn't call a game off based on two positive cases. But I think the way COVID is at the moment with this variant, how rife it is, it would it would only be human, you you know, players would only be human to feel that way and to be concerned and to be concerned for their teammates and to potentially be concerned if if they catch it a little further down the line. So I wouldn't call it an excuse. I can see, you know, it, it is just two players in, if you look at it from a game point of view, um, you know, but I think, again, the general COVID situation is so concerning, you know, when you factor in the amount of, travel um, and kind of day-to-day interaction these players have. I know they have to operate under really strict rules and regs, but they're still 
out a lot more than most people, aren't they? And and I think it, it, it was a really, really fair point, to be honest, from Emma Hayes. Yeah, it's a shame as that, that did send them crashing out. And Alex, you were watching it down at the Three Bears pub near Stamford Bridge on Thursday as part of an initiative between the Stonegate Group, who own several pubs in the UK, and DAZN, the TV partners of the Champions League, to grow women's sport across the industry and help create a stadium-like atmosphere in pubs where women can go to watch games in a safe environment. Here's Alex with the organiser, Stephen Cooper. So could you tell us a little bit more about the initiative and why is it important to have a home away from home base? Yeah, so um, we understand that, you know, women's football is growing across the UK um, and uh, we want to create bases in each of the major cities to be able to, for fans of women's football teams to be able to come and watch it in pubs and to be confident that they can find a pub that is going to be dedicated to showing that game. Um, so we want to create those spaces and uh, invite fans of all those things to come and watch. Well, Alex, apart from the result, just tell us how the evening went overall. Did you behave yourself like we told you to? Of course, only one drink for me. I thought the atmosphere was really good. Being a female fan of football, there's always that worry that things are going to get too rowdy and people just get too emotional and get too verbally abusive sometimes. But it wasn't the case at Three Bears. The staff were amazing. Zone or Zan, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. That could have been better because every time they used the website, it just kept logging them out. So maybe that might be one way to go. But overall, the event was really good. Everyone seemed, everyone seemed like in good spirits and to be a good crowd. I like the fact that there was just a specific area for fans of the women's game and that they could just sit there, discuss, and it didn't feel like... I, don't, I just I don't know how to describe it but it just it felt like a calming environment for a football fan to be in well that's always a positive away from the men's game isn't it probably a totally different atmosphere and uh yeah I'm with you with the pronunciation zone design all a bit confusing but I'm um, glad you had a good time shame about the result but we go again next year. And Arsenal squeaked through in the end to, to reach the quarterfinals. The host needed to win by five or more goals to go through at Arsenal's expense. Jewel Brand opened the scoring for the host before Laura Weinrotter own goal put the sides level at halftime. Chantelle Hargill netted twice and Gia Corley once as Hoffenheim rattled the visitors early in the second half. Hoffenheim missed out on goal difference in the end. Despite getting through, Arsenal boss Jonas Eideval described it as a weird feeling as it almost slipped through from their gasp. Emily, can you make sense of it all? I don't think I can really live. And uh, your explanation there was absolutely top draw as, as usual and very, very comprehensive. I think with any of these situations, it's actually really, really difficult because I can understand why Arsenal come away from that. And you certainly don't feel like you've progressed, do you, off the back of that kind of result? But ultimately they have, I suppose you would say, edged through. Um, and they are in the hat for the next round, which is important. But it, yeah, it's extremely complicated. But I guess on the flip side, very, very entertaining for the spectators or anyone following the competition this season. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the hat and the draw, Alex, it's now been made for the knockout stages and Arsenal will face 
um, Wolfsburg, who obviously just kicked out your team. So the return of Jill Rod to the Emirates or to Arsenal, wherever they end up playing. What do you make of their chances? I would say Wolfsburg, especially, I would say, are in the ascendancy because although Arsenal have just about squeaked through, they are on a little bit of a poor run of form. They lost to Chelsea in last season's FA Cup, which was played this year. Still takes me a minute to get my head round and then they drew in the league. So it's just Arsenal are a very good side, but whether they have enough quality and belief to beat Wolfsburg is the question because, yeah, I'm gutted that Chelsea lost to Wolfsburg, but Chelsea is a very good side. Arsenal are also a very good side, but if Wolfsburg can do what Barcelona did to Chelsea, then they've, they, they're they just as capable to do that to Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just talk a little bit more about, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal and the good English sides that we have. So Barclays have announced that they have extended the sponsorship of the Women's Super League and will invest more than £30 million over the next few years. Um, financially, it's it's one of the strongest leagues in Europe, but we've just seen last week how difficult Chelsea and Arsenal have found it playing in the Champions League. So can we really say that, Emily, we have the best teams? I feel like the competition's not as competitive as across the other sort of leagues. It's a really, really good question, isn't it? I think it's hard because we all watch it on a weekly basis or, you know, more than, you know, twice a week at times when the fixture schedule works that way. And we obviously know the quality of the players in the league, the quality of the teams. But I guess if you're going by European results and looking at the Champions League final result this year and and in previous years, you'd probably have to say not right now. And, And it's really, really difficult to sort of admit at times because you know as I say it's competitive it's exciting it's got great players but actually you know there's other other areas of the world and certainly other areas in Europe and, and countries in Europe that produce really good both international sides but also domestic sides and yeah it's a really really good question and perhaps it'll be one that we could revisit after Arsenal's next tie and you know see how they got on really and what's going to be a really really difficult game but I think football in general goes in cycles and it's really, really easy to say, you know, uh, Spain are doing really well at this at the moment. We need to follow their strategy and method or, you know, we've got German teams in in finals or the French teams. And I think sometimes it can go in sort of two to three year cycles where you'll see uh, whether it be in domestic competition, teams dominating in Europe or, you know, it's the same on the international stage as well. Um, But yeah, right at this moment, I think it's probably fair to say that there's one or two clubs ahead of ours at this moment in time. Alex, would you agree with Emily there? I mean, we've we've always kind of talked about this, this need to sort of shorten the gap, especially in the WSL. I mean, does that gap exist across all the other leagues or do you find that they're just because they're playing more competitive matches week in, week out? That's why they're grinding out these results when it comes to the big stages. I think I'd probably say it's a combination of the two. And I think perhaps in the leagues that aren't in England, they sort of prepare them for pressure situations better than we do. But I think Barclays, you know, announcing that they're investing more into the women's game and also being a sponsor of the men's game, it shows the importance they want to put on the women's game. They want to treat it on the, on the same level as the men's. And that can only be a positive sign But yeah, definitely there are teams ahead of the English teams 
but how we bridge that gap I'm not so certain it's definitely a brain tease and maybe another conversation like Emily said when we see how Arsenal get on later in the competition but unfortunately for now Covid has read its ugly head with only 50% of the WSL games going ahead and two in the championship this weekend Man City v Reading, Chelsea v West Ham and Arsenal v Brighton were all postponed. Alex it looks like the winter break has come at a good time and it gives everyone a chance to sort of breathe again and take stock now doesn't it? Of course and I think especially for Chelsea after they won last season's FA Cup they then lost to Reading and they've just lost massively to Wolfsburg. It gives them a chance to regroup, come back stronger because something is not going right at Chelsea. There's, there seems to be a disconnect between playing well and going on to win the match because they, play, they played fairly well against Reading. They just couldn't score. Like they had 34 shots on target. Oh, but on the flip side, when they played against Wolfsburg, there was just... There was no, there was just nothing that they could do really. And they didn't take their chances. So for Chelsea, it's only a positive. Man City, I'd say probably it's a good thing as well. Arsenal probably will be disappointed because they would want to increase that gap over Chelsea even more. But you never know. Brighton could have turned up and got the three points. But I think, like you say, Winter break was going to happen, but for some teams, it just happened a little bit earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And this winter break also probably has to sort of reintroduce some more rules and regulations with COVID still becoming a bit of an issue. Emily, can you see an easier solution? I mean, the league's got to finish in May. So, you know, we talk about cups coming into contention next um, next year. So... Do you think sort of like the WSL need to find some measures to find a solution to all these cancellations? Possibly. I just think it's just so, so difficult at the moment, isn't it? Isn't it really? And, and I think the problem is it this, this break is important. And as you say, it probably comes at the perfect time. That said, um, by having it, I guess it, if, if you see further games cancelled or postponed rather over over the new year and, and beyond that then all of a sudden you're cramming fixtures at the end of the season and you run out of your sort of reserve dates to do that and I don't think you know, correct me if, if if this is wrong but there aren't a great deal of free dates if you like in terms of the calendar um so I, I really don't think there's an easy solution to it I think as you say the break has come at a good point um you only have to look at the discussions that are going on in the Premier League at the moment and the Football League in terms of should they be having a bit of a break or a two-week sort of close down because of the number of games being affected there as well. So the fact there is this break is really, really positive. Um, but I think the bigger issue is we don't know how much longer this particular, I guess, strain and variant and the impact of that is going to be around and going to impact so strongly on the leagues. Um, so to be honest, it's not really answering your question, Liv, but I don't think there's an easy <laughs> solution because fixture calendars are, are just so packed anyway, aren't they? Oh, they absolutely are. I feel like we've just been on a constant cycle of COVID. So I think we've got to leave these big decisions to those at the at the very top. Those but, pay the big bucks, eh? Exactly, exactly. And Luke does not pay me enough to be doing this podcast, so I can't make any decisions, unfortunately. 
<laughs> in the games that did go ahead, there was a massive six-pointer at the bottom of the WSL as Leicester picked up their first points of the season by beating Birmingham City. It was Lydia Bedford's first home game in charge and it couldn't have gone any better. Friend of the podcast, Sophie Howard, opened the scoring with her first ever WSL goal for the Foxes on 18 minutes, with Sam Tierney's header adding a second. It means Leicester now leapfrog Birmingham, who are bottom this Christmas. Emily, it's not just three points. It's a huge psychological boost over relegation rivals now for Leicester, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely massive. I think you only have to look at the situation there a, a few weeks ago. And, and you know, you look at not just the impact that it has on the table, but also just the impact that will then have around the club, the confidence it will give the players, the fans, the management staff. You know, when they go back to training, it will be fun. Everyone will be happy because results make a huge difference. And yeah, it's a massive, massive psychological um, boost, I would say, to Leicester and and something that they desperately needed. And I think we've seen in recent seasons, if you can have a decent run after Christmas, um, you've got every chance of of retaining your place in the league. If you can, if you can um, cure some results and and you'd have to think that Leicester are in a good position to do that now. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Lydia Bedford, you know her quite well. What can Leicester fans expect from her? That's a really, really good question. She's extremely diligent, hardworking, um, obviously has a really strong background in youth development. So we'll be very good at working, I suppose, across the spectrum with some of the younger players and we'll have a lot of connections there, but also, you know, equally adept at working with the more experienced heads as well. Um, I think probably not too dissimilar to when you saw Rianne Skinner go to Tottenham. Someone like Lydia is really relishing the opportunity to manage at this level at a club. And I think you can't underestimate that as well. There will be a massive deal of pride that she will feel and she will want to get it right and want to hit the ground running. And, you know, hopefully that result at the weekend will, will kickstart that both for her and for the club too. Yeah, she's an exciting prospect. But Alex, for Birmingham, the warning signs have kind of been there since, you know, last season, Carla Ward went out the door. How do you think they're going to turn this around? Or do you just feel like, that game was kind of pivotal for them. That it was a it was a must win. I think by them not beating Leicester, I think the writing is kind of on the wall for them. I know like Carla Rudd left, and then they replaced their manager this year with Darren Carter, and he hasn't, from the looks of things, it doesn't seem like he's got much coaching experience. He was coaching. West Brom in the third tier of women's football and there is obviously a big difference between managing in the third tier and managing in the WSL so I think that really doesn't help because how can you really go to your players and say you want the best out of them when you're still quite new to managing so I think that doesn't help but yeah I think things are looking pretty bleak for Birmingham City. Yes, and it doesn't get any easier for Birmingham in the new year as their next two fixtures are against Arsenal and Manchester United. Ouch. Talking of Manchester United, Mark Skinner's side moved up to fourth after a thumping home win over Aston Villa. Ella Toon swept in an early opener. Captain Katie Zellum doubled their lead with a penalty and Lucy Staniforth killed in a superb third. Martha Thomas nodded in a fourth before Toon rounded off the scoring with her second of the game. It's now six defeats in the last seven for Aston Villa. 
Well, Alex, Mark Skinner thinks his team are now really starting to click and they are on the shoulders of Spurs and Chelsea, well, even Chelsea now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's been sort of a remarkable turnaround by United because a few podcasts back, we were talking about them having difficulty finishing games off, scoring, stuff like that. But now it just seems to have clicked for them at the right time. And sometimes that's all you need in a season. But for United, they've just got to keep going on this path, making sure they're playing the best they can, not conceding too many. And why not challenge a team like Chelsea? Because that's what we want. We want the WSL to be competitive. We want it to be exciting. We want it to be different. We don't want it to be the same four teams finishing in the same order every year. Yeah, absolutely. And Emily, the last few weeks, we've been sort of talking about different clubs and sort of star players, for instance. And you kind of got to look at Man United. They're not just reliant on one person to score the goals. Like quite a few of them can contribute, can't they? No, they have. And I think you only have to look at those names, you know, in this game against Villa, the likes of Ella Toon, Katie Zeller, Lucy Staniforth. They're all quality players and I think they at the moment they seem to have a really really nice mix of I suppose your more star names but also just real real grafters and probably some up and coming players which I think probably so far is serving them really really well and I think as you say goals all all over the park or, or from all you know different sources is so so important because every forward or every player that scores a number of goals can have a little bit of a dry run um, but, you know, I'm sure that they, because of their track record and certainly their record this season, have got the confidence that if, you know, if a forward doesn't score, someone else might might step up. And, and that must be a really, really positive position and, and great for Mark Skinner. Yeah, not a headache that he's going to have anytime soon. But Alex, as good as United were for Villa, should the alarm bells be ringing yet? I mean, they do have seven points over Leicester, but... It's quite a bit of a slump they're going through at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I would say hold fire for the minute because they are still seven points above Leicester. But if things keep going the way they do, they're not really scoring. They keep losing. Not very good. uh, They're not really good defensively. Then, yeah, they'll probably be in a similar situation to Birmingham City and Leicester unfortunately but hopefully I'm not sure who they've got next but hopefully there'll be some slightly easier games for them where they can really prove that they deserve to be in the league yeah absolutely and United had briefly moved up to third above Spurs but Rianne Skinner's side reclaimed their spot thanks to a Jessica Naz goal on 51 minutes the result marks Spurs' first success against the Blues in the league. Jean-Luc Bessier's side had been looking to extend their three-game unbeaten run in the league. They also had a bit of bad news when England midfielder Izzy Christiansen limped off late on. Emily, really impressive stuff once again from Rianne Skinner's team. They're really coming together now, aren't they? Oh, they are. And, and I think you only have to, I suppose, watch them, but also look at look at you know what their fans are saying across social media and the general sentiment there at the moment is really really positive and you know it feels that it's happened in quite a short space of time as well uh, it probably isn't that short period of time because I think the last kind of 18 months for everyone is a bit of a blur anyway but yeah they just I was going to call them a real solid outfit but they're a bit more than that now aren't they they've got some flair they've got some real talent in their squad and it's just 
it's just great to see another name up there and and a club doing well, a big club, you know, obviously a traditionally big club doing really well and, you know, mixing it up a little bit. And yeah, long may it continue, I say. Yeah, absolutely. The, the women's team are kind of mirroring the men's kind of form at the moment. And Alex, we mentioned on the pod last week and we'll mention it again. Emily kind of touched on it briefly, but it seems to be their defensive solidity that's helping them win these sort of games, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like we've mentioned previously, solid defences are key. Like it's all well and good being able to score up front. But if you're leaking goals at the back, then more often than not, you're going to draw more games than you win. I think having really tightened up their defence, it's made them more competitive and made them deserve to be in the top three, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. What's that saying again? It's like strikers win your games, but defence wins your titles. A quick look at the championship now. On Saturday, the bottom two met in the West Midlands as Coventry United took on Watford. It was the Hornets who took the lead through Emma Beckett on 31 minutes. The home side then lost Grace Rigler, who was sent off, but they fought back to earn a point thanks to Katie Wilkinson's equaliser 15 minutes from time. A point does neither side any good as Watford remained bottom on goal difference. Emily, both sides slugged it out, but in the end, it's kind of three points lost for both of them, wasn't it? A hundred percent. It's... um. It must it must have been and must be extremely frustrating for both sides there. Um. I think when you look at the result and I suppose the manner of the game and the way the game went, it's it's one of those where Coventry lose a player, but they still score that equaliser, which I guess if you're if you're in Coventry's camp, you're slightly the happier of the two for that reason. But that that probably shows where Watford's look is at the moment. And it's always tough when you're when you're down there, little things don't go your way. And I think they probably both suffered as a result of that. And they're obviously two teams that are ambitious and won't want to be in that position. Um, they've they've still got time, you know, like we discussed with with some of the teams at the bottom of the top division. But yeah, very, very frustrating, I would say, that result. Yeah, funny old league, the championship, but lots of games still to play, so there's hope yet. And at the top, Durham moved back into second place, albeit having a played a game more as they beat Blackburn Rovers 3-1. Ellie Leak had given Rovers the lead, but an Abby Holmes goal gave the northeast side the lead before Becky Saliki made the game safe on the hour mark. Alex, a welcome win for Durham, that, wasn't it? Yeah, because they started the season so well. They were in first for a little bit, then they ended up being fourth after dropping some points. So it's nice to see them back up in the top two positions, really fighting it out for the league. Think they can catch up with Liverpool? Possibly, but they have played uh, more games. It's just whether which team will fold first in the sense that who's going to drop points, who's going to drop the most points. Yeah, we always say it's a little bit unpredictable is the championship. In the two remaining fourth round FA Cup ties played on Sunday, Charlton made the short trip to Rochester sports ground to take on Gillingham and came away with a 1-0 win to book an away tie at Plymouth Argyle. And Exeter had a convincing 3-0 win away at Southampton and they will now travel to West Bromwich Albion. In the National League, plenty of fixtures took place over the weekend. Derby County extended their lead at the top of the Northern Division with a 2-0 win away at Middlesbrough. Two first-half goals from Sophie Domingo and Emily Joycey gave the Rams all three points. 
They are six points ahead of both Fylde and Wolves, with both teams having games in hand. In the other game, Courtney Willis rescued a point for Burnley at Nottingham Forest. In the south, Ipswich Town suffered a first defeat of the season as they lost 3-1 at Oxford United. Goals from Beth Lumsden, Daisy McLaughlin and Sophie Baker saw the U's end 2021 on a high and move into second place five points behind Ipswich. Elsewhere, last week's FA Cup heroes Bridgewater United slipped up to 1-0 at Chichester and Selsey. In a battle of the bottom four, it was MK Dons who beat Plymouth Argyle 3-1 but are still seven points from safety. And on the south coast, Portsmouth took the spoils over London Bees, thanks to goals from James Gotch and Ava Rothbotham. It was the NWSL draft this week, which is a really important event in the American League. A little background on how it works. All of the teams are ranked from their previous year's results, from their league positions and their place in the playoffs. Then that ranking is flipped, so the winning teams are at the bottom and have the later picks. This is meant to make the league more competitive as teams who performed worse get better young talent. Makes sense. Players who are leaving college are eligible to enter the draft. It's worth noting that the college football is a huge way that players develop in the US instead of playing through an academy in the UK. Previous players that you may recognise that have gone through the draft, Rose Lavelle, who played for Manchester City last season, was first pick in 2017 and Rachel Daly was sixth pick in 2016. Naomi Jirma of Stanford University was first pick this, this round. She's a defender, defensive midfielder, and is going to Casey Stoney's side, San Diego Waves FC. There was a level of controversy too during the draft pick. It was uncovered that a player drafted to Portland Thorns FC, Sydney Nacello, had recently retweeted and liked a number of racist and transphobic tweets. The vetting process for the players entering the draft was called into question. This also adds to the problems at Thorns earlier this year where sexual abuse allegations were uncovered against their former manager, Paul Riley. Emily, What do you think of the draft system? Does it equalise the league? Does it make it more fair? You know, it's interesting. I think how many times have we sort of sat and recorded this podcast and said there's huge disparities in the WSL, the top teams have all the top players and everyone else essentially has to scrap for results and sort of scrap for resource. Now, I think the draft system is a really clever way around that because it's essentially helping those that have struggled previously. I think it would be difficult to, to implement across the board and across different, I suppose, different continents, different countries, because it's something that I think is culturally ingrained in, I was going to say American football, but in, for this purpose, I probably should say soccer, which pains me, but never mind. Um, but I think it's, it's a really sensible solution. It helps the competition of the league. It helps those teams that that have traditionally struggled or struggled in recent years. And you named lots of different players there, Liv, that have had really, really good careers, both over in the States and back over here in the UK and in Europe. So look, they're obviously producing some real top talent. It's working really, really well. And Everyone wants to see competitive divisions, don't they, ultimately, and competitive matches across leagues. 
I would welcome it in the WSL for sure. Maybe something for us to keep an eye on, pitch in the future. Well, that's it from us this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and Instagram, the Women's Football Podcast. And also subscribe via all good podcasting platforms. We will be back in 2022. So from all the team, it's a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. (laughs) 